Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. The title of the message, if you're taking notes, is A Good Neighbor Forgives. A Good Neighbor Forgives. I was thinking about forgiveness this week as I was meditating uh, on the subject to write this message in. I realized that forgiveness, uh, the demands of forgiveness shared by Jesus in the scripture when he talks about forgiveness, he's really strong. If you, if you read through the gospels, the words of Jesus about forgiveness, he, he really, he, every time he shares on forgiveness, he comes strong on on his followers and his disciples and as I thought about it more and more a few of the passages that I was studying I realized that uh, the responsibility and the requirement of forgiveness on the part of Jesus is placed on the offended and I don't know if you've ever thought about this because in our culture right in our in our society culturally and ethically we have this notion that someone if someone wrongs a person they need to apologize. And it's not wrong to think that. But we, we think, you know, they, they need to make it right. And Jesus even alludes to this idea when he's bringing uh, the Sermon on the Mount, when he's sharing that. He says, hey, listen, if you are bringing your offering to the altar, if you're going to the temple and you're bringing your offering to God, and on your way to bring your offering, you remember that there is someone, that your brother, your sister has something against you, This is what I want you to do. I want you to leave your gift by the altar. Go fast to to make it right. Reconcile with your brother or sister. Then come back and make the offering. So Jesus alludes to this idea of, hey, if somebody has something against you, if you've offended someone, go make it right. Go say sorry because it is more important for God. It is more important that you offer a offering of peace with your brothers and sisters, peace with your neighbor, than bringing your goods. Now, it's important to bring your goods. It's important to bring your offering to God as a, as a, as a thank you. But Jesus is saying, hey, listen, that is not as important as having peace with your neighbor and so we have this this idea to for the need for an apology to to make it right but i think a misconception we face today even in our culture is the idea that you should only forgive if someone apologizes that for you to forgive someone has to apologize there's got to be an apology There's got to be some kind of action on their part to grant, to merit forgiveness. If it's a personal offense, then a personal apology. But even if it's a public offense, somebody you don't even know, but you look up to, somebody you placed your trust in, maybe a public speaker, maybe even a a religious leader or, or a political leader, someone who messed up and they offended you or they broke your heart or they broke your trust, you need an apology. There's got to be some kind of video or expression of regret remorse or even repentance something that merits forgiveness so that we can grant forgiveness but that's not what jesus taught us 
In fact, he taught us quite the opposite. Jesus, as I said, was tough on forgiveness. And when he talked about forgiveness, he placed the responsibility, the task of forgiveness on the offended. And it seems counterintuitive to us that he would do that. Multiple times he mentioned that in the scriptures, that we should forgive our offenders. Our, our, our offenders. So Jesus' recipe for the offended is simple. Forgive. And he's talking about all kinds of offense. For the victims, forgive. For the ridiculed, forgive. For the deceived, forgive. Forgive. For the betrayed, forgive. The recipe is the same. And if someone hits you, he even says, you ought to turn the other cheek. Now, now, why would Jesus tell you to turn the other cheek? Why would he say that? Is he trying to turn you into a glutton for punishment? Is he trying to make, turn you into some kind of masochist that I, I just, you know? Or, or is Jesus saying, oh, if you get hit once, always seek for that second hit, then you'll be holy. You know? Always go, no. What he's actually alluding and teaching us is, hey, be that quick to forgive. Somebody offends you, even if they strike you, be that quick to, forget, to forgive. So quick that you would be ready to get hit again. It's, it's, it's strong. Now, now, how is that fair? Why would Jesus teach that? I think we need to, we need to have a better understanding on this topic because offenses will happen. In fact, here's a real statistic I'm just going to make up right now. If you deal with people, if you go to work, right? I just read this morning that the, the season of telecommuting for work is basically over in America. Uh, that the season of working from home uh, is, they're just calling it, it's done. Because uh, last year, 60% of people uh, went to work. And this year, they did the same amount. It's 72% of people are going to work now. Before the pandemic, it was 76% of people were going to work, meaning 24% were telecommuting. Now it's only about 28%. So we're, we're in people's company more and more once again, right? We're, we're dealing with people. And here's my made-up statistic. You're going to get offended at least once a week. <laughs> you are. And you're probably going to offend somebody too at least once a week. And if you're really with a lot of people all the time, I'm going to bump that up to once a day. All right? Just, just know that at some time, at some point tomorrow, somebody is going to get on your nerves. Somebody is going to, is going to offend you. And so Jesus' prescription for you is very simple. What is it? Forgive. You know it. Forgive. Now, Peter, Peter was one of Jesus' disciples, and he had a question about this. He came up to Jesus one day, and he asked the following. He said, Lord, it's in Matthew chapter 18. You can, you can, you can read on the screen. I'm reading from the NIV version. He said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? That's a lot, right? That's so many times, Lord. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not 70 times, but 77 times. 
So, so P- Peter thought he was being generous. And, and if this conversation had happened today, it would basically it would be Peter coming up to Jesus and saying, Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone who gets on my nerves? How many times should I forgive somebody who offends me? And Jesus' reply would have been, you just got to stop, keep count, man. Stop keeping count. Just forgive. That's what you got to do. You just forgive. It's not, Jesus wasn't saying like, you actually should count to 77, 78, get him. No, he, he, what he was saying, he was using a hyperbole. He was saying, hey, listen, just forgive all the time. Now, why is this imperative that we forgive so freely and so quickly? Jesus went on to explain. Jesus loved to paint the story, paint pictures to explain his point. And so those were parables. He would just come up with a story that would picture exactly the powerful uh, principle that he was teaching. And so Jesus began to tell a story. And he said, hey, listen, there was a king who sought to settle accounts with his servants. And he started calling people into his courts, people who owed him money. And so he brought in this debtor, this person who owed him money, and he owed the king 10,000 bags of gold. A huge debt, a debt that probably that person wouldn't be able to pay in 10 lifetimes. And so the king ordered he, his wife, and his kids to be sold, and all of his possessions to be sold so that his debt could be paid. Now, given this predicament, this person saw that his future was doomed, and he fell on his knee, this servant, this man. He fell on his knee, and he, he begged. He begged with this king. He said, King, please have mercy. I will pay. I will repay. Don't do this to my family. Don't do this to my, my house. I will repay. I promise. And the king was moved in his heart. The scripture says, Jesus said that the king not only kept him from slavery, not only did the king allow him to go home, but the king forgave his entire debt. The king was so merciful, he wiped his slate clean. You owe me nothing. Could you imagine this kind of mercy? Now on his way out, This servant, who was just forgiven a massive debt, runs into one of his fellow servants who owed him a little bit of money, about 500 bucks. And what do you think he did? Jesus says in the story, he came to his servant and started choking him. And he said, you pay me my money. I need my money and I want it now. It's my money and I want it out. So he started choking this guy and the guy fell on his knees and said, please, please forgive me. I, I, I don't have patience. I will pay you, please. But the servant who had just been forgiven a huge debt threw his fellow servant in jail and said, you'll be in prison until you can pay me back. Now the community that surrounded him They saw what just happened, and they were appalled. So they reported it to the king. They said, King, you got to hear what this guy did. This person that you just forgave a huge debt. And so the king summoned the man. And this is where we pick up in the scripture. Just listen to the words of Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 18, verses 32 through 35 from the NIV version. Then the master called the servant in. And he said, you wicked servant. 
I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now, this, this, is, this is why I told you that Jesus' teaching is strong. Because this is what Jesus says. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow. It's almost as though like Peter asked a question. Jesus escalated it. And then he escalated it. It's a strong teaching. It's a stark picture for each of us. And he's saying basically, hey, listen, God's forgiveness over you is only going to hold if we practice forgiveness ourselves. If you practice forgiveness as well. It's a strong teaching. And he didn't teach it just once or twice. He taught it multiple times. If you don't forgive your neighbor, God won't forgive you. Again, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew, a few chapters earlier, Matthew writes in, in chapter 6, he says, For if you forgive other people when they, they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. This is Jesus talking. So let's take it as is, because sometimes we, we read a passage like this, it's like, he can't be saying exactly that. Let's look at the context. Let's look at, but this is exactly what he's saying. Now, we know God wants what's best for us. We know God wants us to live an abundant life. We know that God sent his son to die for our sins so that we would not perish. Now, if the God of heaven who loved the world so much that he did what he did, sent his son so that we could have abundant life and everlasting life. He's telling us to forgive. There's something that we need to pay attention to because he would not teach us to practice self-harm. He would not call us to sabotage ourselves. There is something important that we need to pay attention to. It is important for us to prioritize forgiveness and take it seriously. So instead of lightening the load and try to make Jesus' statement easy to grasp, let's do the opposite. Let's, let's take it to the letter. And let's look at it and, and, and take it at face value and work from the premise that unless we forgive, we won't be forgiven. Let's do that this morning. I know it's strong and it's tough. It's, it's tough for some of you. It's tougher than for others because you've gone through some tough things. You face some tough injustices. And so this this. This is not sitting well with you. Because in your heart, you're like, I, I, I'm not there, JD. I, I can't see how this is okay. I can't see how this is the proper way to go. But let me encourage you to just put maximum value on forgiveness right now and make forgiveness the most important, uh, put the most uh, uh, level of importance as Jesus has done so. And let's explore this idea of forgiveness because what happens sometimes is that it's not that, that we don't want to forgive. It's that from time to time, we forget what forgiveness actually is. And so we, we think that forgiving is not quite the best route to take. And it, it takes some time. So I'm going to clear the air in a few 
uh, areas here for you so that you can understand better what Jesus is asking of us. Let me first start with what forgiveness is not. Okay, it's important for us to understand what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not absolution. Many times we, are, we, are, we resist forgiveness because we think, if I forgive, I am absolving their sin. I'm absolving them of their guilt. But that's not what forgiveness is. In fact, let's just, just say that you got pulled over for speeding. I know it would never happen because it's hypothetical. You guys are angels on the road. I know that. <laughs> you're lovely drivers. You would never speed. No, you are the, you're an example to the masses. But let's say hypothetically that it happened, that you were doing, I don't know, 60 on a 40 or 40 on a 25. I don't know. And you got pulled over. And the police officer gave you a ticket. And you decided to go before the judge because you know what a ticket means. It means points in your driver's license and it means that uh, your insurance might go up. This might have happened to me in the past. And it might be a personal experience I cannot confirm nor deny. And let's say you go before the judge and you, and you explain the situation and you ask for mercy because you don't want to be punished for the rest of your life with a higher insurance bill. And you can prove that you are not an erratic driver. You're not a reckless driver. In fact, you've never had a ticket before. You've never been pulled over before. This is a one-off. And you can present to the judge compellingly that this, 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 is, this is something that has never happened. And he can look at the records. And let's say that the judge forgives your ticket. Does that mean it never happened? No, right? Does that mean you're not guilty of speeding? No. Does that mean you never committed the sin of speeding? <laughs> Just to keep in the lingo, lingo here. No. It simply means that you've been forgiven. Now let's make it a little bit more personal. Let's say you got into an altercation with somebody you got angry someone you love or or maybe somebody in your household or maybe someone at work your brother sister spouse child and you had words and you got angry and 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 you and you and you, and you said something you shouldn't and you know you said something you shouldn't but you offended you hurt your words cut because you 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 said it and and it offended you hurt somebody now, let's say that because that person loves you, they decided to forgive you. Does that mean you're not guilty of mistreating them or wrongdoing? Does that mean it never happened? You see, just because you're forgiven, it doesn't mean you're not guilty. And some of you, like I said, you've been holding on to the pain of unforgiveness because you think that if you forgive the person who did you wrong, you're absolving them. That's not true. That's not true. Forgiveness is not absolution. It's something else. And we're going to talk about it in a little bit. Forgiveness does not clear their guilt. Number two, forgiveness doesn't mean nothing changes. 
See, sometimes we have this misconception that if you forgive, it means you have to restore the relationship to the way it was. You have to go all the way back and pretend like nothing ever happened. Like the arrangement has to be restored. And that's not true. In some cases, actually, it's absolutely not true. It cannot be true. See, we've had relationships, Alini and I, in our lives that have disappointed us, that have offended us, to the point of breaking the trust and breaking the relationship and people that we've invited into our home, into our house, into our, our, our lives and exposed to our family. And, and something happened that broke the trust, that damaged the relationship. And something they did showed that they didn't value the relationship in our friendship. And I remember one particular instance where it was very painful. It was, it was hurtful. And it changed our relationship, our friendship forever because it was a season in our lives where we needed friends. We were, we were in need of friends. And, and, uh, and, and what happened really broke the relationship. And when a relationship fails, many times it goes through a painful transition. It has to. And when it goes through a painful transition, boundaries need to be reset. It can't remain the same. And you might even have to have the conversation with the person and say, hey, listen, we will never be the same again. I am sorry. We were friends. We were close. But this thing happened, and it changed our relationship forever. It's never going to be the same. We're never going to be as close. We're never going to be as intimate. And they may say, I thought you forgave me. And your response should be, yes. I forgave you, and I, and I do forgive you, but now new boundaries need to be set. It's not going to be the same. We're never going to be as close as we once were. See, forgiveness doesn't mean relationships don't change. On the contrary, when you forgive, it helps you see the problem more clearly. It, it, it clears your heart from resentment. It clears your heart from, from the pain. It clears your heart from, from the, the judgment that you have of wanting vengeance, of wanting to see the people, the person hurt. And you can clearly make the proper decisions to move forward in health. Because certain relationships need to end. Certain relationships need distance. So that you don't, you don't live in a toxic uh, environment, in a toxic context. And I'll tell you this, like people can endure incredible, an incredible amount of sorrow. People are resilient. You are resilient. I know each one of you, you can, you can endure an incredible amount of pain. And people, we, can, we have this capacity to endure love unrequited, to live, endure respect dismissed, to endure things like jealousy, strife, anger. But in our experience, the things that we've seen that have, that have destroyed relationships or have changed relationships the most is broken trust. When trust is broken, it's hard to repair, depending on the level of that, that, that breakage. And so... You, you, it doesn't mean... That if you forgive the person, 
the boundaries are erased or that you have to go back to that same level. Forgiveness does not mean restoring the status quo. This is important because even though Jesus asks you to forgive, he's not asking you to go back to that relationship. Depending on the situation, yes. But many cases, no. Jesus, you know, if you've been abused, forgiveness doesn't mean you have to interact with your abuser. If you've, if you've been robbed, forgiveness doesn't mean you have to trust the thief again. If you've been lied to, forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to believe the liar. If you've, been, if you've been abandoned, forgiveness doesn't mean you have to run after and seek a relationship with those who abandoned you. That's not forgiveness. You can forgive and you can enforce new boundaries on the relationship with a healthy heart. With a heart that holds no vengeance, no rancor, no resentment. Number three, forgiveness is not weakness see many times we, we 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 are tempted to think that if i forgive in this situation it means i'm giving in i can't forgive i have to hold him accountable i can't forgive or maybe even worse it means that you're giving up on the situation friends forgiveness is not giving up forgiveness is letting go. So you're not giving up your values. You're not giving up on yourself. You're not giving up on who God called you to be. Forgiveness is letting go of the offense. It's setting your heart free from that moment in your life so you're no longer attached to it. See, forgiveness is not weakness. It's quite the opposite. It takes strength to forgive because it's you making the choice, the conscientious choice to let go of the pain, let go of the offense, let go of the injustice, let go of the resentment without any real guarantees that the problem will be solved on their end or that, they'll, that, that you will be made whole. It's trusting God. But here's why forgiveness is really crucial for you to move forward. Because as, as long as you harbor that offense, you are attached to that moment in time in your life. As long as you hold on to it, to the anger, to, to the, the, the emotion of that moment, you're paralyzed. That part of you is attached to that moment. See, unforgiveness actually holds you hostage to the pain and the sorrow of the offense. But forgiveness, forgiveness sets you free. It, 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 it lets you go. In fact, that's what the word forgiveness means when Jesus shared it. The word forgiveness that Jesus shared, it, 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 the original Greek is atheami, the word. And it means to release, to let go. And I love this definition. It means to permit to depart. When you permit it to depart. Permission to no longer let that situation control your life. You permit the resentment to depart. You permit the offended to depart. You permit the pain to depart. You permit that moment in your life to depart. You let it go. Now do you see why Jesus was so strong when he came to forgiveness? It's because it's for your benefit. 
It's so that you can live free. And I want to challenge you today to practice what Jesus tells us to practice, to be quick to forgive, quick to release, quick to let go of the offense, quick to permit the offender to go, to depart from your heart. See, the story that Jesus shared, the parable that he shared with the king and the two servants, God is our king in that story. And we had a debt that could not be paid. We were the servant with the big debt. And we couldn't pay with, with, even with our own lives. And when we harbor unforgiveness in our hearts, we act like the wicked servant who was choking out his fellow servant for a debt that was so little in comparison to his own. Now you can say, J.D., I've, I get it, but... I've never abused someone the way I've been abused. You may say, I've never hurt someone the way that I've been hurt. I've never done the things that were done to me. How can, how can I be compared to, to that person who offended me? How can God compare me to the terrible people who have done terrible things? See, you, you, that's the wrong way to think about it. Because that puts you in the center. And that's, that's not what Jesus is saying. See, this is, this is not about what they did to you. This is, a, what, this is about what God did for you. What he has done for you. And until we recognize that any virtue we have, any good we do, any strength we claim to have, to reject evil, to reject temptation, to embrace, embrace good comes from God until we recognize it, that those things come from God. And that without God, we could be just as bad as the people who have offended us. Until we recognize that we're walking in pride. We think we're better than them. How can any of us not forgive the cheater? When the only reason why we haven't done the same is because of the grace of God. Who has given us the grace to reject temptation. To hold on to his principles. I'm not absolving again. But we're talking about forgiveness here. And in the context of everything that we already shared. It doesn't mean that you're going to restore the boundaries. It doesn't mean that, you know, it, 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 all of that. But forgiveness, release, let go. How can we not forgive the thief when the only reason we don't steal ourselves is because of the law of God? If there was never any such thing as thou shalt not steal impregnated in our culture, how much more likely we would, would we be to take what is not ours? How can we not forgive the person who gave in to anger when the only reason we are not full of rage is because of God's love for us that surrounds us. We can forgive. We can release. We can let go. You can forgive. You can release. You can let go. And remember, it doesn't mean you will absolve the person. No. It doesn't mean that there will be no boundaries. No. It doesn't mean that you are giving up on yourself, on your values, or what you care about. 
It means you know you can rise above that offense and, be, and you know that you can rise above it because God's grace has reached you. See, forgiveness means we release them to God and we don't hold on to the offense. We release them to God. And God asks for it. He says, the vengeance is mine. I will repay. He is the fair judge. And I want to ensure, assure you today that every single person who did you wrong will pay. It's God's promise. They will pay. In fact, let's read it. It's in Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. That's you. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Verse 11 says, for God does not show favoritism. God will make sure that everyone who does evil pay for the evil they've done. Even if the justice system fails, I want to assure you today, God will not fail. He's a God of justice. He sits on a throne of justice. And he will set every record straight. It doesn't matter if you fear the Lord or not. That's his promise. They will pay. And I don't say this with vengeance in my heart. I say this with the fear of God in my heart. So I don't want you to worry about judging the world. You can trust a God who's mighty. He can take care of the offenders. Do your part. You uphold what's holy. You stand for righteousness. You keep your heart clean. You abhor what's evil. Yes, speak against sin in the proper context. But also offer forgiveness to everyone who has been duped by the enemy and who has been deceived. Release them and trust God. Permit the offender to depart from your life, from your heart. Release it. Friends, if you commit to this challenge, it's a strong teaching from Jesus. But if you commit to this challenge and you make it a habit of practicing Jesus' teaching to forgive freely and quickly, you will discover a secret to freedom in life. And you will, you will be able to live without the burden of offense in your life. You know, God didn't call us to be victims. He called us to be victors. And that's how you overcome. That's how you overcome in Christ. So let me encourage you to do that because that's what makes it for a good neighbor. Because a good neighbor always forgives. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. 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 Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.